When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show, The House List Podcast. My name is Peter Agostin. I'm your host and the producer. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're getting a good momentum going with these weekly shows, some new listeners and people uh, reaching out. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, really quick, want to shout out the Pantheon Podcast Network, who have been helping me keep the ball rolling, and Jerry, who's been uh, engineering this. Um, 
you can uh, go to their website too to find um, all the different ways you can listen to the houseless podcast spotify google play apple podcasts etc today's episode is super special it came together um uh quite um spontaneously and sometimes those are the best ones there's a few uh back in the uh in the show's history that kind of came together day of or even a few hours uh before recording and this is no exception annika is my guest today annika henderson uh from uh um, the UK by way of uh, Berlin and has traveled all over the world, uh, performer, writer, and uh, but also just like a very, very uh, super interesting person. Uh, we used to work together doing some shows and touring when, around the time that her self-titled uh, release came out, uh, which actually came out on Stone's Throw, label here in LA, many of you I'm sure are familiar with. And Peanut Butter Wolf um, originally is the one that kind of put me up on her music and put us in touch uh, probably around like 2010, 11. The album, super, super cool, unique record uh, backed by the band Beak and the sort of the production driven by Jeff Barrow of uh, Portishead. Um, a very well um, promoted and written about release. So that was kind of like the era that Annika and I were working uh, together. And I hadn't seen her in, in several years uh, since basically that like chapter of her career. And uh, she also lives in Berlin, so I, I'm not there that often either. And so she was in town for Desert Days Music Festival here in L.A. And um, her manager is a close friend of mine, Wes. And uh, we were hanging out and... Um, and he kind of connected us uh, to record this conversation, which I was super um, excited and wanted to do and uh, have been wanting to kind of reconnect with her and to talk about what she's got going on. In fact, I learned a lot of uh, new projects, too, that she has like in the works or that kind of came out in the last couple of years. So if you're like only familiar with her, her record on Stone's Throw or the self-titled album, um, this is a great way to catch up with the stuff that she's been doing. Like... In fact, two full albums on on the Sacred Bones imprint um, for uh, her new or her newer band project, Exploded View, and uh, and then we kind of touch on a bunch of stuff. It was it was great. Like it was one of those things that hadn't seen her in a while, so we just like kind of picked up and and started catching up. And I wish that like we could have uh, kept going too, because we ended up actually it's a really great conversation. I'm gonna share it with you in a sec. And I appreciate your you guys listening to me set this up too, because then we we all like reconnected, went out to dinner afterwards, went to Musso and Frank's in Hollywood, and uh, and then uh, Wes and I and his buddy we went to Goldline, the the DJ spot in Highland Park here in LA that uh, Peanut Butter Wolf and the Stone's Throw Brass opened up a year ago, and she was DJing. Great DJ set too. It was all hip hop, which was awesome, and. Uh, great selections so it was, it was cool like um uh and it was just really great to connect with her so i hope you guys enjoy this uh it kind of paints a, a pretty interesting uh picture of an artist especially one that's lived and traveled in different places kind of collaborated with a, a pretty wide range of of other artistic minds so and there's a lot of people i've sort of met like that along the way uh and they're always like really intriguing to me 
so I'm hoping that this kind of illuminates a little bit more of what she's been working on and her process a little bit too. But beyond just being a performer, I mean, she was like a show promoter and a writer. Uh, so one of those people, I can kind of relate to that too. And I know there's probably people that listen to the show that can as well, that sort of have done a bit of everything from performing to the industry to like, you know, documenting things and writing about it and all that. So I kind of really engage with that level all in all. So it was a treat. And, um, you know, if this is your first time listening, go back to some of the other shows I've done. I think you'll find some pretty um, cool contemporaries of Annika in that general sound as you scroll back, however you listen to podcasts. So cool, man. Let's just check this out then. Enjoy my conversation. Recorded here in L.A., with the one and only Annika. Check it out, y'all. So, I mean, uh, and we can really kind of start anywhere. Um, uh, but I guess, you know, since um, I haven't seen you in quite a long time, no. um, which was probably uh, now, maybe like 2011 or something like that. I don't know, like... I'm sure we saw each other in between somewhere. I'm sure... Um, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. But not really, but we haven't really been working together since then. Right. And the, I mean, I feel like there was like kind of a pretty big break between mm. that period of time of you, of like your trips to the US touring and oh, stuff. Yeah, and then sure. where yeah. you are now, because yeah. I even not until very recently did I even become, I guess, like familiar with um, Exploded View. Yeah. So which is like somewhat recent. Yeah. Right? Well, it started in 2000 and, uh 2015 mate or 2014 I started going there it was about five years ago now yeah uh, it was when I wanted to quit music and I thought I'd run away to Mexico to escape Berlin oh okay and yeah and to pay the flight I got a, a gig in Mexico City but I realized I didn't have a band so um I managed to a friend of mine uh, the one that helped me that well it's a long story I don't know if I well, started we just started the conversation so we can yeah. we can go there but um, but yeah no it was it was just it, it, this has happened multiple times in in my sort of music career mm-hmm. every time I tried to quit I would be dragged back in 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 an indirect way mm-hmm. I mean that's how it began I was quitting my job as a promoter and I I met Jeff and then we right. made an album and and then I ran away and became a journalist and then yeah so you were promoting in in Bristol in uh, Cardiff and Bristol actually both okay. yeah. Like as a concert, as like a party promoter. Uh, right. Concert and party. And work. I, I, in Cardiff, I was working for um, three venues in an art gallery doing their... I was originally employed as a um, to do sort of PR for them. Um, and then uh, when I arrived, they had stopped doing uh, live shows because of some issues with the council serving them sound restraint orders. Mm-hmm. So then I said, oh, but this is kind of a shame. What do you want me to promote? You're just now a bar. You know, that's that you've just right. lost a big side of what you do. So I did So they said, OK, well, if you want to try and put on shows, go for it. So I started to put on shows and found a way around around it. So then I became a promoter. And then um, who were you booking? Um, who did I? Locals? No, like I was booking touring bands as well. The funny thing is some of the bands I ended up um, encountering again later down the line but as a band and, mm-hmm. and so it was weird no we were booking um also for bigger shows uh 
So you were like dealing with agents and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I, know, I never really realized that. Yeah, no, I was booking, uh, you know, with the agency group and Little Big and stuff like that. Right. And uh, I can't even remember. But I never, luckily, none of them ever really drew the, made the link between me and that, that person back then. Interesting, yeah. So yeah. you existed in two different ways. Yeah, well, because back then I was also managing some bands and I set up a small label of local bands and uh -huh. released it on CD using... Uh, and the CD was produced by a guy, um, Blade, the, the 90s. The rapper? Yeah. No way, he, really? He, he burnt all the CDs in his little CD factory, like in, I don't know where. Oh, so he was manufacturing. He was manufacturing the CDs. Wow. That when we released, and it was a free release because we ended up, um, it was just me and a colleague of mine. Uh, uh, well, I, I set up this magazine and then mm -hmm. put the CD for free with it. Oh, cool. And then released local bands that were not able to play in the venues because the venues were being shut down. It was a bit of a weird... What so was it, the zine? It was the music thing or was it more yeah, everything? It was, well, yeah, it was all a bit... Well, um, where do I, I, I feel like I'm, I keep going backwards from starting at the, the end and going backwards. But the because I was the PR person, at one point they wanted me to start up a, a company for them, like a promotions company. They wanted to start putting on more events. Um, and then it got to a point when... I said, yeah, well, we're sending all these people out with the flyers for all the different venues, right. and why don't we just come up with something where we could give it out together? Yeah. So then uh, I created a magazine, so I got enough funding from, got out enough advertising to make it work. Hmm. And then I um, put together this CD of the local bands and released it with, well, then we just put it in everything in these pack things. Wow, yeah. So you were kind of, uh, so then you've kind of done every like job that you can in the industry before performing apart from being the musician uh yeah it was just i was just desperately trying to make the venues work and bring these bands to cardiff and stop you know I, I, there were people that i just wanted to keep the scene yeah going in that way and then did you grow up there no in cardiff? i went to university there oh i see yeah. so then i was a journalist there for a bit um yeah it was just i don't know and then uh I was so burnt out after a year and a half of doing that because I was also DJing the nights, putting on the party nights. Then I took over the graphic design at some point and then and working with the chef to relaunch the food menu, like every aspect of the <laughs> wow. business. Then it was yeah. just like, oh, I can't do it anymore. And I quit. And the day I was having a meeting to ask for a pay rise, uh, Jeff called just before the meeting oh, wow. saying, oh, um, I got your number. Like, let, let's meet up. Um, and then I said, oh, I didn't know who it was. So I was like, oh, can you just call me back later? I've got this meeting. So, mm -hmm. you know, I went into the meeting and, and said, like, can I maybe get a bit more money? Because I'm working like crazy and yeah, I'm on hardly like any money, you know. And they said, well, you should feel privileged to have this position and we give you so much freedom. So I said, OK, I've been here for a year and a half. You know, thanks for that freedom. And I really appreciate the job, but I have to move on now. Right. So I quit my job and I phoned this weird guy back and it was Jeff. Um, so not even knowing that that's who was calling you? That no, Jeff Barrow was calling no you? I still didn't know until I think after about four sessions who he was. Oh, that's cool. So, I'm yeah. sure he probably, that may have brought you guys closer then too. Oh, definitely, having, yeah. yeah. Well, because when, when I phoned him back, he was like, oh, well, are you going to be in Bristol um, soon? And I was like, well, to be honest, I've got nothing else to do now because I just quit my job. And um so I went to Bristol and uh, he, he picked me up from the station, I remember, and we were driving to the old Invader studio. And uh -huh. just I was just so mad at the industry at that time because I was like, you know, I've, 
I I dedicated a year and a half of my life to yeah. trying and and my motives really were just I I loved music and I wanted to promote the scene and and I just there were so many things that were just driving me nuts about it and yeah so we were just bitching the whole way to the studio and 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 never really thought about what we were going to do you know oh cool well i mean that's a thankless job i mean those being a promoter being like running a zine like Mm. these are things that historically don't really pay well or and you're oftentimes like kind of you know especially being a promoter can be kind of tricky because you can spend a lot of time and not making any money and you're only as good as whatever you can offer someone to so um, yeah, because I did that for many years as well, so I yeah. can fully relate to that. But I think, mm. you know, I think it's nice as an artist when you actually, uh, when you've done all these different jobs, because I know a lot of oh, people yeah. that have just been an artist and yeah. they treat journalists like shit or they treat promoters like shit. Oh, yeah. You, you know, and you just think, but we all need each other in order for this to work. One isn't, you know, as the artist, you're not like the special one. Um, you still need... Uh, the journalist to write about what you're doing and you still need the promoter to otherwise you'll just be sitting in your house you know what you what you're going to do right and um yeah it's always a bit of a shame when there is no need to treat people like shit i mean if they're being if they're being a bit of a you know yeah it depends well yes obviously yeah definitely yeah but i mean that's what's been great about this project um most of the people especially in the last years because the original album like hyped album came out such a long time ago all these weird projects i've done since are only really noticed by the enthusiasts oh yeah so i'm only ever really booked or people only really approach to book a show because they're really into music right and the people that come to the shows are usually only really into the music yeah well if you look at that first the record that you and jeff did too like the songs that that you guys chose yeah. to do would obviously would probably attract like some pretty like sophisticated tastes because there are these like pretty, um, you know, uh, just very specific sounding covers, yeah. you know, um, which is pretty adventurous. You know? Yeah, yeah. But the beginning, I mean, the project was booked more for, um, you know, some more of these sort of hype things and where the promoter doesn't really give a shit about you they just want to make money but now the bookings that I get often I know that you know sometimes they go really well and the promoter will do well on it but I know you know I really respect that they're taking that risk because it is risky you know I haven't really released a mainstream thing in in not that that was mainstream but at least it was getting a bit more yeah I don't know but I respect the risk that the promoter takes yeah so sure and they're usually, yeah, it's usually, a, they've been really, you know, I've been really lucky with the promoters and the people that come to the shows. And it's, yeah. It's when you were writing, you weren't doing any, like, music journalism stuff, were you? Or that, I guess that scene little, sort of was, right? Yeah, a little bit. When I was at university, I, I was interviews editor and head of the, what was it, music something, I don't even remember. Oh, for, like, the paper? Yeah, mm-hmm. for like the student paper. So that's right. the only time I ever really did music journalism. Right, because the re- then it like would you were doing like more political writing. Yeah, right? then after yeah, it was more political or architecture most recently. Oh yeah, oh yeah, interesting. It was a bit random, but that was just a little job that I had to do. In well, so where are you now? Where do you live now? Uh, I live in Berlin, but I'm not really. I, I've lived in Berlin for the last ten years. Yeah. Like the last, but then the sort of 
for five years I was working with Exploded View and um, I was m more in Mexico City than I was in Berlin. So. Oh, wow. So there for like long periods of time? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. amazing. So that was that was great, actually. And the last year, well, since um, the end of last year, we have been taking a break because mm -hmm. um, uh, just to focus on some other things that actually pay because Exploded View is a bit of a hobby. Right project we were all paying into it you know to to make it work but that's all original material right yeah yeah i mean which is because i because i've just started to like absorb those that stuff yeah. it's um so it's kind of nice for me as a as a almost like a new listener to that because of how familiar i am with the your first kind of wave of like those recordings that when we were working together too yeah. the sort of the stone's throw era of those yeah. releases because those are like ingrained in my psyche because oh, of how much we for you know yeah. in a good way mm -hmm. um so it was like pretty nice to hear yeah your own writing translate even further like yeah. um into this new material yeah i mean there's been a lot of random projects the last years um there was the album with Shackleton, uh, which ended up turning into some weird, like, doom opera. Uh, it was, really? Hmm. Yeah, and uh, that was released the end of 2017. Um, Who was that? Shackleton is like a dub, uh, traditionally, yeah, like a dub producer hmm. from uh, from England. And he, he lives in Berlin. And that was really interesting record to do. Are you singing? Are you speaking? Yeah, we're singing, speaking, whatever. It, it ended. It's just that's why it's kind of like an, an opera because it's like a nar the narrative just runs through the whole thing. Uh -huh. And uh, we toured it a tiny bit in Japan, and and we played two festivals in Europe, and then we just never did it again. How was it received in Japan? Um, yeah, it was reasonably okay. Because um, it's a little bit, it was a bit jazzy, like the the way, especially live, we worked with two other musicians and it was very, um, yeah, that was a very interesting project. Um, you know, all the weird projects over the last years have always been something that were a little bit stretching. Mm -hmm. Why, you know, stretching me and kind of learning, learning stuff and uh, just doing something completely unexpected um is it like does the impetus like come from you or is it like someone like approaching you like even with mexico city like you yeah. when you went there you put together that band yeah. yeah well with mexico city yeah then um uh the reason actually i ended up wanting to go to mexico from berlin um i i got to know a film director in in berlin a young uh you know same same age as me and uh, we were always we wanted to make some weird film in Berlin, and then he was he had to move back to Mexico, mm -hmm. so he was like, "Why don't you just come to Mexico? We can do something there." And I wanted to quit music, so uh, so I was like, "Okay, yeah, let's do it." And but I can't afford the flight, so he said, "Oh, but I know some people at Normal Festival, right?" Oh yeah, them. of course. Yeah, so then he ended up um, uh, setting, giving me some emails of them, so I managed to get a show, and then I was like, "Oh no, but I don't have a band anymore." So he was like, oh, I, I know a few musicians in Mexico. Here are some uh, of their Facebook profiles. So I wrote to some of them. And then we were on online uh, sending stuff back and forward about um, how to play stuff. And I sent them a video of like a whole concert. And um, so and then I got there a few days before the show and we managed to put it together and we played. Yeah, amazing. But that that was the band that ended up turning into Exploded View. 
So what, I, having never been there, I've booked shows there. Like, what's your um, impression of that city? Uh, well, I love to be there. Um, I think coming from Berlin where it's very dark and, yeah. and, and gray and, and right. all the buildings are just, you know, it's a very, it's a very industrial place. And you go to Mexico City and there's just all the houses are painted different colors and there's, you know, there's building sites all in the road and people are kind of half figuring out things and, and the pace of life is very different. Um, I mean, the reason we started writing uh, the album was because we were often waiting for the drummer to arrive mm -hmm. and he would sometimes be like seven hours late. <laughs> so uh -huh. in the meantime, we were jamming and trying stuff and we're like, oh, what happened to, you know, where is he now sort of thing. And that was when we wrote the new material. But, you know, mm. you you learn a lot of different approaches to writing. Um, you know, the reason why that worked and a lot of in the stuff in Berlin didn't at the time um, was because they they were a lot freer. You know, they, it was a lot more playful. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Berlin, there's a lot of people there that really want to make an album or they want to become a musician. Right. So there's a lot of pressure. You know, it's a lot of like, oh, this I want this to sound like this. There's almost too many. Yeah, there's not this room for creativity. There's not room for messing around. Yeah, so they are maybe a little more um, concerned with like the sort of setup of a project and putting something yeah. out and and how yeah. it's going to be received and and um, which is which was the nice thing about the exploded view thing because we weren't we didn't we didn't think we would release it either. We oh, um, cool. it, it, it was a weird coincidence of. Uh, uh, Hugo had just serviced the tape machine or Hugo or Martin, I can't remember which one. And they were like, oh, let's just set it up and see if it works. And then they went and see, to see if they had some old tapes and they were like, oh yeah, let's try this. And we just recorded it. We recorded the yeah. whole thing, which meant for them, it was a lot of work to cut it. They had right. to go through it. And that first album is just jamming. Oh, cool. So yeah. it's like, yeah. With what little rehearsal at all or? Yeah, we were just um, playing and then someone would be like, oh, that sounds cool. Let's try again. And we, it was all just live. Um, the whole thing was just live. Well, how did you, did you already have um, your lyrics? No, I just brought an old diary. And at the time I was writing it as we were going. Ah, cool. And and a lot of the lyrics, I mean, um, you know, that's why uh, it's always right. Well, I love to work with a band when I can shut off my mind, where I, I lose right. my consciousness almost. Yeah. And but what happens is then a lot of the lyrics end up being a little bit um, it's like tapping into the psychological unconscious. So um, and at the time I was really struggling with writing with bands because I had a lot of bad experiences in Berlin. Um, so what was coming out in the music was a lot of my issues with with stuff like Killjoy was about Martin in the band. And now he's one of my you know close friends but at the time I was getting so annoyed with him but I, I, I and so the song is like killjoy calling him a killjoy as in killjoy little boy I wrote an ad for astronaut so why did I get a man of zero thought mm -hmm. you know and, and 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 it was just this yeah if I if I'm in the right place you, you just write and I don't even know what's going on and it was only after when we read it back and we're like oh whoops that was about that right because I remember some of your performances when when you were coming to new york and yeah. doing those early tours like how it was like you were singing from a diary i mean you had yeah. your book your little yeah. the book you remember i don't know if you still use that in some of your shows 
don't know, sometimes, yeah. There was a little, like, moleskin book. Oh, yeah, that was for the... We did some, like, poetry in between. It was when yeah. someone had to change settings or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, I mean, I would think... Because uh, your style of writing, I think, I've always mm -hmm. been trying to figure out exactly how, when you approach doing that. Mm -hmm. So with this, it was just more stream of conscious when you're in the room while they're jamming. Yeah. 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 Um, but do you, have you been, I mean, you obviously, as a, you know, a journalist, I guess you yeah. trained that part of your muscle for writing. Like, yeah, a bit, yeah. Do you do any other, like, more non-fictional stuff for yourself? Like, if that was a diary, you'd written that before or something? Yeah, I, I, I mean, with writing, um, it is something that you have to keep trained and um, I've been pretty bad the last few years but um, if I know I'm gonna go and try and write something in a few months and I try and set up these sort of strict things of like you know you write the minute you get up just a page and you write uh -huh. when you go to sleep mm -hmm. and you don't think about it you just write it because mm -hmm. I think that's one of um, that's the hardest thing to combat is this overthinking what you're writing sure yeah, yeah. I would think that your environment probably plays a role in that too, like where you're living, you know? Oh, uh, definitely, yeah. But it's these, I think it was the John Cage uh, writer, someone once gave me this book um, with a lot of writing techniques in it, like John Cage writing techniques, how to how to get beyond, you know, the, the, the or to, to, to break out of these little prisons that you set for yourself. Right. And like how to, um, I don't know, things like you, you pick an object like um, in the room and, and you describe it as much as you can about in any way and using similes or metaphors or whatever, like just really keep breaking and going beyond and going beyond and going beyond to break it down into, you know, not just what it is. Oh, into a more like abstracted... Yeah, uh, as much as you can just right. to really get out of like breakthrough and, mm -hmm. and then there's other, there were a lot of exercises like... Um, and these are really good just to just to help you learn to like yeah like i was saying break out of these little prisons um and get further right but i haven't really i've been a bit bad at that lately it's something you yeah you should do quite regularly well sure i mean yeah the discipline of writing is pretty pretty difficult i mean even doing this show which i i've been doing for a while but i took like i fell out of the practice of it so i just uh it got harder with each passing day, it was harder for me to get motivated to do it again. And I just forced myself back in. This is pretty new that I've been doing this, like a, maybe a couple of weeks oh, after right. over maybe six months. And I think and after leaving New York and moving here, it took me, it changed a lot of my one-time pretty frequent routines, yeah. like artistically. So, um, so, yeah, and I feel like for you, I mean, there's some... There's a lot of time in between your projects too. So like, are, are you... Yeah, not really. I mean, it's just been, there was just a lot going on. I mean, in the last years, um, I also did this thing with a, a Polish hip hop group. Like I was, oh, yeah? well, I did a, they, they organized a tour for me once in Poland and then we became friends and then I, I ended up doing stuff on their, mm. one of their albums. What, what are they called? Cine, uh, like S-Y-N-Y. -Y. Uh -huh. And then I did the thing with Dave Clark and the thing with... Um, uh, T ranch meal and the thing with camera. Oh, so yeah. So then like it's all these little bits here and there, and it, right. it's just been a lot of touring, you know, a right. lot of moving and things like with the makes with the exploded view that really just took up a lot of time. Yeah. 
you know, and then every time uh, I'd go to Mexico, I'd move out of my house in Berlin because I couldn't afford rent when I was away. So I'd like actually move out, not just sublet. Cause right. I, so I'd end up, that always just took time to move out and then to, to go back, find a new place, move in again. So you would just move out and then move in, to, like when you went to Mexico? Place when I was in Mexico to, right. to move back into when I got home and my, I'd always move my stuff into friend's storage. It was very, it was just a lot of like, just constantly, the, the only way to survive by just doing music was to keep moving. The minute mm -hmm. you stayed still, the minute you would have costs or your expenses sure. would be higher. Yeah. So the way to survive for about five years was just to keep moving. So then you're pretty, um, you must be quite a minimalist. Yeah. Every time I moved, I would bring a box of books to, uh, there was an English bookshop that would buy some of my old books off me. And then, the, you know, the same with clothes. Like there was a place that would resell some, like if I had... So I'd, I'd just constantly have this small amount that was rotating. So with yeah. books, I'd always, you know, make sure after a while you get rid of some. Same with records, same with everything. When was the last time you lived in England? Has it been a long time? Yeah, that was, I think, 2011. Oh, wow. So then Berlin and now and Mexico kind of are where you bounce back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And if you, I, I did a residency in Iran for three months. In Tehran? Yeah. What was that experience like? Oh, it was really interesting. What was the residency? Uh, it was with Border Movement and uh, Goethe Institute. Okay. And Border Movement are based in Berlin. And um, they uh, they exchange um, electronic musicians normally between, oh. I think that they do something in Sri Lanka and Pakistan and Tehran. That was the first year they were doing it. Oh, wow. It was a bit of a random thing. I also didn't, um, I've applied for a lot of stuff in the past for funding and for residencies and I never got any of them. And this one, I just got a phone call out of the blue mm -hmm. saying like, oh, um, would you be up for going to Iran for three months? And I was like, hmm, sounds interesting. When? They were like, oh, in three weeks time. Oh, wow. So we would have to start the visa process now. And I was like, oh, I had been enrolled in, in something like a, a school, like learning thing. So I had to cancel all that and I just decided to just go. But I had no idea where I was going or who was really responsible for sending me there. Uh -huh. I, and, and then they did. Did you know where you were staying? Well, no, they only sent me the address finally, like the day before. They uh -huh. sent me the itinerary, which started with day one, uh, pick up Annika from um, the hotel, meet and greet with local artists. And then it, it, it went all the way to like day 62. There was nothing in between. Day 62, pick up Annika, bring her to the airport. And I was like, what do I do? Wait, there was just the pick up and the drop off. Yeah. And those are the only things. And then, a, and then a metro map that was all in Farsi, so I couldn't read it anyway. And then the hotel address. So wow. I just forwarded this email to my sister saying, I'm going here, but I don't quite know where I'm going right. or who's responsible for it if you don't hear anything from me, this is the address. Like, um, well, that was wise, just in case. You know. Just in case. But so I ended up getting there. Um, and they said to me, you can't bring any music equipment because it might, you might get trouble. At the, mm -hmm. they, they need to go through all your bags when you get there. Right. So I was like, uh, okay, fine. So, uh, so I ended up, I, I landed in Tehran, but my, my flight had been delayed, which I didn't realize. Um, so I get through, security and come out and there's this cab driver with my name and he's just shouting at me in Farsi and I don't know what he's trying to say or 
And finally, I realised that he just got a parking ticket because he was waiting for two hours. <laughs> uh-huh. But he he was the only one to pick me up. He drives me to this hotel in the in the dark. Yeah. We arrive, and I'm like, okay. And I walk in the hotel, and there's no one at the desk, and we're trying to see where everyone is. This guy finally walks out and says, oh, um, Miss Henderson, we've been expecting you. And I was like, oh, this is extremely scary. Yeah. He's like, it shows me to the room. I walk in and the phone rings and and I'm like, where is the phone? I'm looking around the room. It turns out it's in the bathroom. I'm like, hello? And um, and it's uh, a lady who says, oh, uh, this is um, blah, blah, blah from the German embassy or something. Um, we'll meet you in the lobby tomorrow at 8 a.m. And it was like 3 a.m. in the morning. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, Wow. It's the most surreal experience ever. So then how, what was the rest of your time there like? When did it start to even out or was yeah, it then, like that every day? No, then it was okay. It turned out, um, so it was the Goethe Institute were helping me a lot out there, which is like a, a, a German language institute. Okay, yeah, I'm not familiar with them. And uh, yeah, they're sort of, they're not officially based in Iran. They're, they kind of have a few people there at the language school. But it was weird because, yeah, the first day I had a meet and greet with local musicians um, so that I just got a lot of numbers and contacts and then after that I was just left to my own devices but they I said oh so do you have a, a studio for me or some equipment and they were like what do you mean what 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 do you need because they just didn't know what to do with me you know they right. they'd normally welcomed dipl- diplomats or language students oh because this was the first time they even yeah. tried to do this right so i was like oh i need to get some maybe some monitors because i need to you know work and they were like what what do you want monitors you mean a screen i was like no like the boxes mm-hmm. yeah and uh yeah it was a bit like that and it was a lot it took a long time about a month just to get into things because there's bands there. there's definitely rock bands there like garage and punk bands sort of yes oh yeah i mean it's it, it, it goes through uh phases in in tehran about how strict they are on stuff like that oh. because there was a famously a film made about the more uh band scene um but uh most of the rehearsal spaces were sort of shut down and and now i think the scene is bigger again this was in to the end of 2015 and it was just mm. um yeah like they were just opening up a little bit to the West again, but it was, um, yeah, it, it's pretty hard to get into things. What was it like? What was like what, your free time? Like? Yeah, well, that was the weird thing because there's... Did you have any? Yeah, I had a lot to myself at the beginning because I didn't really get to know anyone until right. quite a while. So I had a guide. There was this one man that um, used to... In the day, we just go around places and 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 try to get into the scene. Um, you know, Iran's a place where it's a lot about the public and the private. Mm-hmm. You know, so so things are very much in the private sphere. Um, so uh, and there's no bars, obviously. So in the night, and as a woman, I wouldn't really leave and walk around on my own after 8 p.m. So mm-hmm. so from 8 p.m. I'd be in the hotel. Um, and I just sat there learning Farsi for the night. Wow. And luckily I got trans. I, I got them to move me to an apartment because I, I just couldn't stand being in this hotel for three months. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, as a vegetarian, um, there was only one vegetarian dish on the menu of the hotel and there was no kitchen. So I was like, oh after three months, I kind of want to yeah. get out of there. So, um, so yeah, I managed to get an apartment in the middle of Haftetir, which is like central. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, wore 
just wore a long trench coat and a headscarf and was just taking the metro everywhere and exploring the city and it was great oh cool learned a lot of farsi which i've forgotten now but i mean i guess to survive and like communicate there that's that's pretty amazing that you can uh yeah because it's a complex language yeah well, so did you read it yeah well, i learned i learned things like the numbers and um wow. so so because i'd go i i, I wanted to uh, um yeah, I like. I've always had this phobia. Well, I used to have a phobia of like tax. Well, not phobia, but I didn't really like taxis or uh, or ordering stuff on the phone. Um, there or just like in general. Just gen- in general, mm. I always had a problem, and it was even worse there because you of course get someone speaking Farsi. So, uh, so I ended up just always going to like the markets to buy groceries and things. So I, I learned uh, how to say, you know, like a pound of tomatoes or whatever, and learned to read the numbers and. Um, stuff like that which was pretty wow. cool. what an experience yeah um there was a band in brooklyn that i was very close to called the yellow dogs i don't know if oh, you know the story dogs, yeah, 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 yeah. It, was, it was very tragic yeah. but they were oh you knew the band oh i knew them quite well yeah, yeah we did shows together oh, uh, I, I booked know. shows for them that was like not yeah. that was around the same time that you were kind of touring and coming to the u.s but yeah, yeah we did lots of like those all those venues that you probably remember glasslands oh, and really? like death by audio yeah. yeah and then uh um i put together a big benefit mm. show for them after the murders happened mm. which was just like a bizarre tragedy because it was yeah. like their friend yeah, that they traveled own, yeah, with exactly, yeah, yeah sort of turned on them in this like twisted way um but yeah i've always wanted to go to that city it seems like a beautiful place I mean, yeah uh, it's really like uh, so beautiful and the people are so friendly cool yeah yeah music did you were you able to connect with people like did you feel like you accomplished something when you were there yeah i mean finally by the end i got to know uh different groups and there's some really interesting uh, electronic music coming out there and oh, cool. um, yeah like there's also a lot of hackers and because of the restrictions there um people you know everyone has figured out how to use a vpn even mm-hmm. if it's the little kids or the um the grannies because everyone needs it in order to have a facebook account or whatever oh, or right. go on youtube or have a yeah. google mail so um, so Otherwise, it's all like kind of blocked, right? Yeah, mostly, yeah. And uh, the internet, anyway, is kind of like up and down certain times of day when it, you get a bit of signal when it's okay. So you, you end up having a lot, especially in the music scene, in the electronic scene, a lot of the people are also hackers or coders or yeah. or something because it goes with it, you know. Um, but it was very, it was very interesting to. Uh, meet people who have a very different approach to music yeah you know and um and the way especially people of my generation there um their only access to like western music was someone had got an illegal copy of like a radiohead cd and they'd all share it you know oh, amazing and the internet has changed that a bit because people yeah. have more access yeah. uh, which makes you also realize how important it is um to get your music out there in different ways you know it's not about always album sales or some people don't have that access to your music yeah um yeah and it was really fascinating to yeah see yeah i think that perspective is like a pretty um like uh, invaluable one to have when you travel to places that all that people don't readily go to or that are difficult to yeah. to reach and you realize that there's still the same amount well there's there's like populations of people that are interested and want to be engaged with with cool adventurous art type shit yeah. but they have no they don't have the same you know 
unlimited access that say the Western world might that like there's ways to accommodate them. You have to be extra creative and probably a little more like um, ingenuitive or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I wonder if you could ever go back and perform if that's something. Did you do? Did you perform your songs at all there? Uh, well, it's it's illegal for like a woman to sing uh, on her own. Um, really? Yeah. Mm. So, which was always a bit weird because I was like, why did they send me on a residency here? Uh, uh, it was mostly because actually they had they wanted to send an electronic female musician and the right. ones they asked couldn't do it, so they sent me. I was oh, like wow. tenth on their list. But um, <laughs> but that was funny, you know, it was a, it, to get around, to figure out a way around the restriction. And and I did actually end up performing a little bit in a sort of a private um, space um, near the end. But I was cool. I was kind of shit scared that I would get arrested, um, especially because everyone was filming it and putting it on Twitter, like the videos. Oh, wow. I was like, you're just because <laughs> everyone has phones out there. Right. It was only after that um I did this uh, live music performance uh, at the Zadi Tower in the center, which wow. is like this big um, monument, in, uh, and it was for the German reunification anniversary. Um, so yeah, it must have been this time uh, in 2015. Um, and I was really scared then, and I remember there was a just... Um, so I was right in the middle of this concrete roundabout with no security apart from this one guy that looked about 17 in a suit that was too big for him. Uh-huh. And uh, all, he just kept coming over and he was like, do you have an Instagram account? And I'm like, what do you mean Instagram? Because 2015, I didn't have one. Right. And he was like, oh, yeah, I can get you a load of followers. Just like, uh, and I was like, what, what are you on about? <laughs> so it was only after that that I got an Instagram account. Because everyone was Instagramming and were really ahead with Interesting, yeah. stuff. Huh. Uh, yeah. What was that? What was your Polish tour? That was just in. It wasn't just Krakow. It was all over the country. Or no, something? it was all over. It was in. Uh, we played maybe five shows. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Please tell me about that. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it, it was weird actually playing because the it's these two guys and um, their live show was uh, fantastic. Like so, it was a hip hop. Yeah, it's a hip hop group. group. Like a duo. Yeah, uh-huh. but there is, it's quite political as well, and it's quite a lot because in Poland the the politics is is pretty complicated. Oh there. yeah. So, um, but they they have a great live show, great sound, and one of the guys uses a lot of space echo, like proper big oh, ones cool. on on stage. Oh, cool. Which cool. is where there was a link, even though um, their crowds were often very hip hop. Yeah. And it was very a lot of it did feel a bit testosterone in the small rooms, you know. But sure. I can uh, see that. Yeah. But were you performing with them during their set or you no, were opening? No, I did. I opened with the solo show. Cool. And uh, so they were then, because they're pretty known in Poland and I don't know how known, I, I think I wasn't so known there. But they dug like your music. And yeah, they it. got in cool. contact and they were like, oh, we would, uh, you know, we'd love to help you do a tour in Poland because I'd never performed there. Yeah. It was really, really, uh, really great actually. I had a lot of, and they ended up being my sound engineers and uh, and good friends. And, oh amazing because when you play so you know my parents immigrated to the u.s from hungary so all my relatives live in hungary and i've been there many times but like in budapest you know people sometimes play there it's not like on the top of many people's european tour list because it's hard to make it's not very good economy there so it's hard to make money there but i'm always fascinated with touring one touring in eastern europe but choosing one country and doing a bunch of shows because inevitably you're going to probably play some pretty small like villages and shit or some small towns i would imagine like what was how did you know because there's only a couple 
big cities in Poland. I mean, well, unless were, I'm maybe misinformed a little bit. But. Yeah, they were all, I mean, all the shows had pretty good turnout. Obviously, cool. because I was doing it with a, a group that sure. had a following. Yeah. I think it was about five or four or five shows. And um, yeah, they were quite big because we did one in Poznan, um, mm. uh, one in uh, oh, Vosch or Vosch. It's got a funny, I can't, I uh-huh. don't even, I, I've forgotten now. I have to find the poster again. But yeah, they were they, they were reasonable attendances. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I like I just like the idea of that you like are kind of traveling to these lesser, um, you know, exposed places. Yeah. You know, and doing especially doing like doing stuff to um, doing songs to audiences that like might not be familiar at all with what you're doing. Yeah. You know, there's something kind of like um, you know powerful about mm-hmm. that. You know, it's like. Yeah, well, also, like, the way that this solo show was working, I mean, the reason I started to do the solo show was because, you know, sometimes when you play with a... um, Well, at the very beginning, it was almost like an anti-second album because I didn't want to just go and record something and then perform it. It was a way to change the way uh, people were consuming music. And, you know, I think when you're playing live, you Mm -hmm. have a very different... It's a very different experience. So I was writing a lot of stuff that has never been recorded or released. And you can only hear it if you're there at the show. And now it's um, I'm doing less new stuff actually than I did at the beginning. But it's still weird versions of the original album and a lot of text and a lot more. It's a, it's a bit more interactive. You know, it, it has this. It really um, it can be quite confrontational for the audience. Um, and in what way? Because of how you're doing the songs, or yeah, in a way, yeah. Um, well, you have a certain level of stoicism on stage as well, right? I mean, you could probably admit that to a certain I degree. I don't know, but that's why it's nice then to do this solo show because it's even more of that. And, and it's kind of a way, and a lot of the texts are quite political and um, uh, and uh, there are certain, there's some a uh, bit more poetry in it. That's mm-hmm. sort of, And it's just this thing about um, remembering the function of music for different things, you know? as a Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It's just even in Iran, I remember after the show, people came over and they were just like, oh, you just made it seem so easy and it was so vulnerable. And like, we haven't seen that before, you know, and it's this thing of making it also possible for other people and and making it, you know, not music isn't just this commodity that is released and and you buy and you listen to a party. It's like it has different functions and it's more just, I don't know, just trying to give something else or... Um, and that's why I, I love to play in smaller places or in, yeah. in markets that often don't really get so much stuff because, um, yeah, it just gives this different uh, representation of music as a platform, you know, mm-hmm. something else. Do you think that that's like kind of why maybe at different periods of time you were sort of drove yourself to like quitting and then picking back up again or something like that? I don't know. Well, it's usually the quitting comes from like, why am I doing this? What's the point? I'm not right. making any money anyway, and I've had enough of living off a can of soup. So just like, <laughs> who cares? And and right. or or sometimes, you know, it kind of happens every every few days um, of every week. You're like, oh, you know what? I just can't be bothered anymore. What's the point? Yeah. Oh, you know, and um, so I don't know. Yeah, but the weird thing is, every time I quit, I think when you really decide to quit you can see again things you know sometimes when you focus too much on something and 
or you take it too seriously or whatever, like your view becomes shut off to everything around you. And the minute you quit, right. it's like, it makes space for new things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it, it's been very interesting. Yeah. What came up in those times? I mean, the Iran mm-hmm. residency came when I also wanted to quit because that happened after Mexico. Um, and I, that was when we, I thought the exploded view stuff wasn't really particularly interesting. So I then went to Iran um, by accident and, mm. and, and after Iran, I finished the exploded view album because it was like gave power to do that. Yeah. And then, I, yeah. yeah. I think that, I mean, for a lot of people though, that's a pretty difficult thing to do. Like being able to also like being able to live move often and like live like a pretty like minimalistic Mm -hmm. like you know sell shit and go and then like pick up again like it's like kind of like takes a lot of energy though it takes a lot i would imagine yeah it's and you have to be like pretty resilient i would think you know to like pretty much yeah to kind of travel on the fly and stuff but yeah it's a lot of trust as well i think people underestimate how much trust you have to have in like people and in, in right. humanity in in everything, you know, because you're putting your life in people's hands all the time. Like it's a, um, yeah, I don't know. Like even on the last US tour, there were a few situations where I just had to really trust people, you know. Yeah. Because you're suddenly you're screwed. You're on your own in the middle of nowhere, yeah. and you need and you have to accept someone's help, which is difficult sometimes. For sure. Yeah, I feel like the tour that the the big tour that we did was definitely probably tried uh, some of that because it was because uh, it was also going it was pretty adventurous, yeah. admittedly, um, because it was going all over the country yeah. too, and uh, really going to some places that probably didn't deserve you. Um, but um, oh, but uh, yeah. I, maybe that's a poor word uh, yeah. choice. But um, yeah, because that was like a pretty arduous journey yeah. in some ways. Yeah, I mean, driving around the whole of the states, it was uh, it's, it's, it's extremely exhausting, and it's it's very it takes a lot of time. You know? I remember one of the last times I think I well I don't know if it was a lot one of the last times I saw you, but I met up with you and the band yeah. um, in Princeton, yeah. New, New Jersey. Oh, yeah, that was funny. And um, you made this comment about bagels that like oh. uh, like always stuck with me for some reason because it's yeah. like because they're so. Cause it's just like such a uh, condensed like mass of bread yeah. and um there was like we were all eating at some diner or something yeah. and someone was like eating a bagel and you kind of gave this like kind of critical like analysis of bagels what? and uh yeah and uh just how it's like you're basically yeah. like eating like a loaf of bread or something yeah. like that and um i just i can't repeat it verbatim because it was so long ago it yeah. was like nearly 10 10 years ago but uh it always stuck with me so now i try to be conservative with my bagel eating because of that really yeah but bagels are good they're great yeah yeah Yeah, definitely there's not enough of them in berlin you know there's a few trying to do it but there's very few in this city i can tell you that los angeles is definitely not known for its bagels so um but uh, yeah, I mean, that was like, I think that touring period of time, there were some g- great highlights for me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, seeing you um, at, at Hammerstein Ballroom, I think you did, did you do the um, uh, Portishead show there? No, we just went to the show. Oh, we did, because yeah. it, was, it was the weekend of All Tomorrow's we, we, Parties. Yeah, we played uh, Le Poisson Rouge. 
Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, and then I wonder if that was the same time as the New Jersey, as yeah, um, was, Asbury yeah, Park. Yeah. yeah, I think so, yeah. Which was really quite amazing, too. Oh, yeah, that was Because that was probably one of, it might have been the last All Tomorrow's Parties in the U.S., too. Um, Barry, I know, was close the book on yeah, that yeah he, uh, yeah he had to stop about i remember because um i was supposed to do the atp in iceland in 2014 oh, yeah. uh, or 13 and uh, sadly it got cancelled so i've never been to iceland i was really oh, sad yeah. about i it. went last year on a road trip that was beautiful oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so i would get was... out of Reykjavik as soon as possible but when you get there i mean it's just oh, really? all fuck. it's all americans okay, walking around yeah, yeah. yeah um but it's still beautiful yeah uh Yes. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. So I guess that was the last, their last yeah, that attempt. Was, yeah, that was when they had to just cut everything. They weren't really, yeah, it was a bit of a shame because they, they, yeah. But I think Barry is still going. He's doing something else now. I think he lives in Spain. Oh, oh he's cool. Doing, he's doing, I, I don't remember. I think the label is just about still going. Oh, good. I mean, for what it's worth, his, his like, um, you know, ability to curate lineups is yeah, pretty unmatched. Was, was yeah. amazing, yeah. Oh, it was remarkable. Yeah. And his choice of venue, too, were always, like, super unique and yeah. challenging and stuff. I think he was just very optimistic of um, the public. You know, that was the problem. He, he was curating these fantastic lineups in, right. in very special spaces, but sadly, the amount of people that are interested in that is just not enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which and is, probably even less now, I would yeah. imagine. I wonder... Yeah, so you don't, we take that stuff for granted now, like these moments, like in time, like that there was like a bill one year with you and like Public Enemy and like Portishead. And I think, um, uh, who's the band from Athens, Georgia, the guy passed away. Um, another great yeah. group from the 80s and 90s. But yeah, I mean, those were really yes. amazing moments. Mm. Um, yeah, there was, God, I mean, I, I played another one with Godspeed. Oh, cool. And with um, Nick Cave and PJ Harvey in Portishead, and it was a really, I can't remember who else. Yeah. Are they, do artists like that, are they acknowledging your work? Do people reach out and be like... Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's random. Uh, um, I remember from, yeah, like a, it was the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs um, a few years ago, uh well, they they um, invited me to the to their ATP in uh -huh. um, in London, and then in the interview about one of their albums, I think um, it was saying, "Oh yeah, it was took a lot of inspiration from the Annika record," and oh, that dope. was kind of random with stuff like that, where you think, "Oh," and then um, I don't remember, but yeah, a few reach out, and it's sort of surprising, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like I mean. And just as an outsider's perspective on your work, too, I mean, I think that uh, you exist, like, in a pretty, like, unique space as far as the kind of music that you make that's sort of, like, at times a little, like, anti-music, too, yeah. which is cool. I mean, there's less and less of that, I think, these days, because even people that at one time were a little more experimental, like, realize, I mean, there's, you know pluses and minuses to that because it's a it needs to be you need to make some sort of living off of yeah. it as well but that uh yeah i just think that it's um pretty amazing that like you know that there's someone like you doing this kind of work too so it's cool yeah and that there's like these things now i didn't realize that some of these other projects that i was completely mm. unaware of too yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's the problem. Sometimes I'm kind of bad at promotion. And even with the Shackleton record, um, he decided to self-release it, which meant it just, a lot of people just don't know about right. it. And um, he got 
um, hard works to, to do the promotion in Germany and they're just very specific. Um, yeah. You know, they have a, yeah, a, a reach to only a very certain community. And yeah, that's sometimes a shame, but at the same time it's okay because it just means everything runs very slowly. And even the fact that the the first album is still only being discovered now and, and has right. been recently picked up for quite a few syncs on Netflix. And... Oh, nice. I saw it was reissued too, last year or this year? Um, now, when you say the first album, are you are you talking about the, the self-titled? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. okay. So, but uh, yeah, it was sort of, well, I know, well, Invader repressed it because they ran out ages exactly. ago on, um, and, uh, but yeah, it was a, um, yeah, it's just weird how it was picked up for this yeah. Russian Doll um, series, um, oh, cool. the Netflix one. And a lot of people still only now are like, oh, I just discovered the record, you know, because they think it's new. And it's just like, right. okay. But at the time, it was, didn't fit in either. So it just, I don't know, it just keeps on going somehow. I love it. I mean, it's what, it's my, um, that's, that was my introduction to your work. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was Wolf, it was Peanut Butter Wolf that yeah. sent me, that, educated me to your to the your work before the record came out too way back then i mean in 2010 yeah. or 11 um yeah i mean so what do you have going on right now i mean obviously you're playing desert days so yeah um, this is you yeah. solo yeah that's cool uh, yeah um but that was sort of a weird i don't know i i didn't plan on going back before the new the, before this new material out but this they just randomly got in touch and i've got another show in um on halloween uh, in new york oh fun uh, with Vice thing, just again, I thought this would be the end, but then they... Um, you keep they getting go. pulled back in. Oh, I know, I know. Will it be you by yourself in New York, or is it with... Yeah, like... also by myself. I might, maybe I'll bring a guitarist, I'm not sure yet. But um, but actually the intention at the moment is to just go away and write some more. And I've got a few open collaborations at the moment that aren't finished, but I'm hoping um, one should be done by the end of the year, but that's kind of a weird album but maybe it'll be released on a label um what's weird about it well it's more it's with uh, sound collective so they they they're the music the the music could be used in in a in a museum exhibition or a gallery exhibition they've done stuff at the oh. pompadour they've done stuff with patty smith that was released on on record but they've done stuff with nan golding that was in the context of a so what is it an orchestra or something or no they're they're sound uh, artists so they they use a lot of field recordings oh, okay. so the um they've basically they have a load of material and uh, we've been working with that and turning it into music and and um and then i'm working with texts and so it, i don't know what it's going to end up as an whether it'll be an album or an installation i don't know um but we're mm -hmm. finishing that in uh, before the end of the year and then there's two other collaborations that are open and I want to do my own thing so where would you like if you were to go write somewhere what would how would you envision that space uh, well I've been mostly working in other people's setups um, the last 10 years and it's got to the point when I really want to I'm, I'm, I'm at the moment building a studio in Berlin so I want to work on my own yeah in my own space which is why Annika 2 has still not happened yet Oh, so that's what it might require that then for, for yeah. that to be completed? Yeah. yeah, either going back to Bristol or figuring, but that also oh, never... Oh, so would, would that be with Beak? I don't know, maybe. I, no, but not with Beak. I mean, Beak doesn't exist anymore. Well, it does, well, but not the original be... lineup. Yeah. Oh, I see. Because okay. Matt is no longer in Beak. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it would make sense. I mean, I would love to work with Jeff again. Mm -hmm. And maybe if Billy would fancied it or whatever, I think, oh, yeah, you Billy. know... 
but uh, I don't know. It doesn't feel right to go. It's like stepping backwards. It doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah. Uh, but in a way, it, it could be interesting to go record it in the new Invader Studios and maybe with uh, Jeff in the background because you know I think Jeff is has got such great ideas and is very very. He's, he's pretty brilliant. Yeah, I, I really. I mean, that. Who knows. But he's also very honest. He'd be like, no, to be honest, I can't be bothered. You know? <laughs> I know. That's what I love about him. Yeah. He's pretty, um, uh, he's a very opinionated person, yeah. which is kind of nice and rare as well. Definitely. Yeah, I think he, he was, he's been asked on a number of occasions to produce pretty big, um, already established artists. And on some occasions, um, he accepted it. Most of the time, I think he doesn't accept it. On some occasions, he accepted it, went there um was sort of standing in the background and sort of showing them how to do it for themselves. And then right. after a few days was like, okay, yeah, it seems like you can do it without me. Bye. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so go. he prefers that, you know, he's mm. not, he's definitely not a possessive um, uh, music uh, producer or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, yeah, I can't wait to see now that we're like, you know, starting like a new mm. decade. Yeah. And uh, and that like we're also like in pretty like tumultuous like times historically yeah. too because uh, I don't know how engaged you get with politics now um, yeah. or disengaged. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty disengaged, but I mean it's hard to be even if yeah. you try. Um, but uh, yeah, I think this is like a perfect time for more music of yours to come out and writing and stuff like that. Yeah, we see. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, we just have to keep figuring out what to do in this time, how to engage with what's going on, how to interact. And, and um, yeah, we see. Mm -hmm. It's never, I mean, it's never been conscious, any of it. It was never a conscious thing. In the end, music is, is more like an interaction with reality. So in the end, if that's the reality, then that's, you know, like with um, No One's There was, was just because it was written in that time you know yeah yeah so i mean we see. yeah and i'm well also i'm just grateful that like you're you know there's still opportunities to see you perform even if it's like here or there kind of randomly but it's yeah. just like a special treat in my opinion yeah i don't um, know well it's always a bit random because it's definitely not just like playing the album you know it's going to be something different yeah uh, as it should be yeah i think so yeah but yeah, I mean, some people are disappointed. Who knows? But that's that's okay. Usually, it's it's like Marmite. The first record was like Marmite anyway. You either love it or hate it. And um, the same with the live show divides again. The people that are there and some are like, what is this? But I think that's more interesting than... You know, I think everyone needs to have their own cause or reason or way. There's no right way or wrong way, but at the moment, it's, that seems like the right... Thing for me so yeah well I'm grateful to see you again even after these years too mm -hmm. um, and I wish you the best of luck with everything oh thanks likewise <laughs> thank you okay cool yeah. thanks all right y'all cool thank you so much for listening my name is Peter Agostin I'm the host and producer of this show you've been listening to the house list podcast my weekly podcast uh, shout out to my guest Annika what a what a cool um inspiring artist i'm actually going to go back now because i learned about that album that she did with shackleton behind the glass from 2017 i've never listened to that record so that's what what i'm going to go back to and kind of check out in her catalog 
I also noticed that the debut release, and we mentioned this in the conversation, her self-titled album has been uh, reissued on Wax too. So if you didn't get it the last time, it came out this year. So on Inveda Records, uh, the Jeff Barrows label. So scope that out if you possibly can. Remember, uh, subscribe to the show. If you know anyone that might be a fan of Annika's music and would like to hear this conversation, please, by all means, share it with them. And uh, yeah, um, I'm going to pick a cool song of hers to go out on as I kind of flip through the crates a little bit. And I guess I'll catch you guys next week. Good looking out. Peace, y'all. I'm out of here.
Hey, it's Marcus in the Darkest. And Ray Coob here. The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll is a podcast for the lover of rock and roll. Like many of the other Pantheon podcasts, we take a unique look at the entire rock and roll timeline in a non-traditional fashion. We look at events, we look at movements, moments, albums, tragedy, celebrations, and more. These are what make rock and roll rock and roll. And it's why the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll is a juggernaut waiting for exploration and discussion. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.